I have to go home. That's just the way. I don't know what to tell you. Stop it. Aw, this song, this is the right song for this show, by the way. It's the perfect decision. He he was almost our guest for the last show. (sighs) Hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, Mr. Chauvin. I'm Joey Bonnier. And here he is. He's been more angry tonight than I've ever seen him, and it's really over Walmart. Sean O'Brien. Walmart. Walmart and I thought you were going to say overwhelming, and then you said over Walmart. That was a fun game. <laughs> um, how are we doing, guys? Fantastic. Fantastic. Tune into three weeks ago, literally, literary. <laughs> no, Pilot Tinkering. Probably four episodes. Oh, yeah, Pilot I'm sorry. <laughs> Joey, how you doing, bud? I don't know. I'm very confused. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you confused? I feel good in very fleeting moments. I feel good. I feel great. And then I feel I, wonderful. Uh, I have this urging, crazy, deep sense of dread that uh, encompasses me at all times. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just called life. Well, you're yeah. with the. I just so I threw a piece of balled up paper on the floor in hopes that your cat was going to start playing with it. He doesn't know you fuck. Oh, then I just. I just yeah. threw a piece of long yeah. paper on your floor. You're just littering. I was going to say littering, but it wasn't the right word. Uh, but I started just like messed up your room for some reason. I'm sorry. Literally littering. What are we getting for food? We're not. I know. I'm actually really hungry. What did you eat today? You did. Huh? What did you eat for lunch today? Did you eat lunch? Was it oh, a can no, of tuna? Is this so, the toughest question you ever had? Did you say tuna? Yeah. So I haven't had guess. I haven't had canned tuna since you were told not to by your doctor. Time. No, I have had I've had plenty of tuna yeah. since Nancy told me not to, but I only had it like several times a week. Shout yeah. out but Nance. I would but at some point Kelly was like, it's gross. Kelly. Tuna, tuna tuna, every time you say you ate tuna for lunch, it grosses me out. Agreed. So I stopped eating tuna. Tuna's gross. <laughs> Sorry. It, yeah, no. <laughs> it's gross. Sorry. Yeah. It's real gross. She didn't tell me to stop. She just mm. said it grossed her out. And I was like, wow, I guess I'm not going to eat tuna anymore. But today, ironically, so Kelly works in Malibu. And um, I went to like, I. it was kind of one of those like weird covert things. I wrote like a poem on a piece of like post-it and I crumpled it up. <laughs> and I left it in in her, the in the wine bar where she works. And I left without saying anything. And there's a little fish mart right next to it. And I went in and they have like this like, it's fucking expensive as fuck though, but it's like fresh off the, out of the sea yeah, thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you like? She said, uh, I did tuna steak. And I said, okay, I'll do that. That is much different than a can of tuna. It, it well, yes, He's it is. right. It is. Wise man. Anyway, I have books. <laughs> Fisherman. Do you guys want me to go with the philosophy books or, or the, the literature books? Literature. I, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Give me, plan that give me, that, give me, give me attention to Dragon's Dice. Yeah, no. Uh, take a twenty. Okay, Sean Fa, or no, Joey. What should I? What should I read? Should I read philosophy or literature? Literature. Sean, what does that mean? What is it? Eleven. Eleven. Um, that would be uh, the funny part is I know, before you answer. Him. I know the funny part is I do because it's like it's so he's so right, actually now I did he, now I did I, I heard his voice oh and I, no I, I actually did. he's the same guy who'd kill a, you know yeah I'm not I know. go into it it's great it's to a fault he's pro death though what does it mean <laughs> for for like most menial tasks an eleven would be a success interesting this isn't a menial task then absolutely though. not. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst definition of, of dice rolling. You just decide well, what's menial and what's not. 
Well, essentially, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what being a dungeon master is. Like, how hard is this task and how okay. how much am I going to assess? So, like, a 10 on a 20-sided die is 50%. So, like, if something is, you know, just very easy to do, a 50-50 roll is pretty appropriate. But if you're okay. asking to, like, parachute off the top of the Eiffel Tower, then that's a little bit more difficult. So that might be, like, you know, a 15 or higher. So the unfortunate truth is that I, I wouldn't consider the book that we read a menial task. Boner, right. you? I'm going to have trouble arguing that point. So okay. I, I'm going to have to concede. Yeah, I don't. And to be honest, I don't want to read philosophy. But hey, the, 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 the dice hat. The dice hath spoken. Mm-hmm. The dice like has been cast. The dice the die. hath the die hath spoken, and so hath Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche. Oh my God, I regret this already. Yeah, you should. Walden and Civil Disobedience by Henry David Thoreau. It's a good man and fish. Thoreau. I have the Myth of Sisyphus and other essays by Albert Camus. So I have an uh, overwhelming ten, task. Ten great works of philosophy by a bunch of people, and I, I have uh, a new Aristotle reader. I wonder if I have any of the books that are like vaguely. How is there a new Aristotle? Neo. Uh, a new translation. No. We didn't like clone him. All the kings meant. No, that's not a fucking Jesus. Who's the closest? I, well, Aristotle's I guess I have, I, and I also have the a law dictionary. Who's Aristotle's clone? And uh, the Constitution know. of the United States of America. Who's Aristotle's clone? Yeah. That's an interesting joke. I don't, I can't figure it out. Not a joke. I was actually asking for a person that you thought would be closely resemble Aristotle. I don't know, man. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand your question. Like, like, looks like it or a similar philosopher? He said, let's, let's move on. I think we should move on here. I think this is a move on. Okay. Anything standing out? <laughs> <laughs> Anything standing out to you guys? This is a uh, Sisyphean effort, Sisyphean effort, um, to, uh, let's go with the niche market. You said two things. Mm-hmm. So, did, okay. So, so Fa has narrowed it down to the myth of Sisyphus and thus spake Zarathustra, Mr. Boner. It's up to you, bud. Uh, ordinarily, I would never pick Nietzsche. Because um, he's a Nazi? It's niche, please. Uh, no, kind of that's not why. He's not a Nazi. I don't no, think so. I mean, not really, but no. Go ahead. I mean, in not in the normal sense there. If Trump's a Nazi, he's a Nazi. So normally you would never so pick Nietzsche, Nietzsche, so you are not going to pick Nietzsche? But, or you are? Well, the, the, hence the ordinarily. So he is. I was about to give you a big, big butt. Big old butt. As big as the rock that Sisyphus continues to push up the, the mountain every day? Yes. Is it that big? As big as the mini fridge. She's no, I'm kidding. I, I really don't care. I'm, I'm, this, I'm very glad. I'm, I'm happy with either of these. So you want me to read Thus Spake Zarathustra? Yes. Is it in English? No. Then fuck no. This, See, was, the this is, is in German. The one on my right. The, so Zarathustra is in German and Sisyphus is in French. Would you like me to read German or French? Oh, my God. What, I don't, you're going to do the opposite of what I say. Obviously. So ask, ask the man at the door which door he wouldn't take. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, I'm going to say the really myth of Sisyphus. The myth of Sean Fa? I got to go with the myth of I've made my choice. 
Don't look at me. Choose your choice, sir. The myth of Sisyphus. Oh, you know, one thing I really wanted to point out, though, this whole fucking charade that we do at the beginning of this goddamn show is pretty fucking retarded, considering you make me put the name of the book in the goddamn title yeah, I of thought the about episode. That I thought about so, that. So, like, you know, all of this that the pers- that the listeners are sitting through is- I thought uh, you didn't care about the listeners. Uh, you know, Every uh, single time, all the, that's all you ever, like, rooted in. There's like, oh, don't worry about the listeners. They don't care. They're fine. Um, well, I assume no one listens to this show, so that's that doesn't really matter. But the I, it is the second most popular show on the network, sir. Uh, Maybe third. I don't, I don't think know. currently. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we've been slipping. I, I'm um, well. Aware. I've always okay. known that since yeah. the ver- like the first time we did this. Yeah. The, the reason we do it is because I'm giving you guys the option to pick. It's not a narrative thing. It's it, it is becomes what it is. a narrative thing for the listener. I get it. I know. And and so I I we could title it differently if you wanted to, but that seems silly. I, the reason that we do this is because we're hanging out waiting for food usually, and I don't. I'm not just going to pick a fucking book and start reading to you idiots. I'm going to fucking how it ask you. Pretty much, I'm going to ask you, lovely gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you're going to ask us, and That's then you're going to pick started. a fucking book. You just whipped out Ulysses and started reading to us. Like no, that. I started reading to you. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, That's it. Because yeah. we were waiting on a boner, and I was like, I'm just going to read this. It'll be fun. Is and that really the some, first episode? Yeah, you weren't on it. And then we did Poe right afterwards, and I don't think you were on that either. Yeah. And then from there, that's when we started to incorporate it, because you were mad at us, because we did two episodes without you, and you were like, you guys did this weird thing. Okay. Yeah. My time is off here. Yep. The Myth of Sisyphus and Other Essays by Albert Camus. This is a really cool book. By the way, I actually think that this also won the, um, the Nobel Prize. For literature? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Sure, it wasn't the Ig Nobel. This has one of the most powerful first lines of any like philosophical question. Um, so I'll just start. Just start. It's a good place. <clears throat> it says, uh, an absurd reasoning. Absurdity and suicide. I like it already. The title of our episode. <laughs> there is but one truly serious philosophical problem, and that is suicide. Judging whether life is or is not worth living amounts to answering the fundamental question of philosophy. All the rest, whether or not the world has three dimensions, whether the mind has nine or 12 categories, comes afterwards. These are games one must first answer. And if it is true, as Nietzsche claims, that a philosopher, to deserve our respect, must preach by example, you can appreciate the importance of that reply, for it will precede the definitive act. These are facts the heart can feel, yet they call for... They call for careful study before they become clear to the intellect. If I ask myself how to judge that this question is more urgent than that, I reply that one judges by the actions it entails. I have never seen anyone die for the ontological argument. Galileo, who held a scientific scientific truth of great importance, abjured it uh, with the greatest ease as soon as it endangered his life. In a certain sense, he did right. The truth was not worth the stake. Whether the earth or the sun revolves around the other is a matter of profound indifference. To tell the truth, it is a futile question. On the other hand, I see many people die because they judge that life is not worth living. I see others paradoxically getting killed for the ideas or illusions that give them a reason for living. What is called a reason for living is also an excellent reason for dying. I therefore conclude that the meaning of life is the most urgent of questions. How to answer it? On all essential problems, I mean thereby those that run the risk of leading to death or those that intensify the passion of living, 
there are probably but two methods of thought. The method of La Pelisse and the method of Don Quixote. Solely the balance between evidence and lyricism can allow us to achieve simultaneously emotion and lucidity. In a subject at once so humble and so heavy with emotion and learned in classical Are those dialect. Opposites? What? Uh, emotion and lucidity? Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Blind passion versus clear thought. But there's more emotions than that. I mean, the. Yeah, the, I feel like you can have a lucid emotion. The dichotomy right? is the differences between thought and feeling. Thinking and feeling are are diametrically opposed. Not diametrically opposed, but they're just they're they are in they are brains and bulls. They are the two yeah, opposites. I suppose. Them. I guess I just yeah. Lucidity has bulls. Right. Isn't French? You mean to read in French instead? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, in a subject at once so humble and so heavy with emotion, the learned- holy shit! I speak French. Must yield, one can see to a more modest attitude of minds deriving at one and at one and the same from common sense and understanding. Suicide has never been dealt with except as a social phenomenon. On the contrary, we are concerned here at the onset with the relationship between individual thought and suicide. An act like this is prepared within the silence of the heart, as is a great work of art. Sean Faw. The silence of the heart would be death. The man himself is ignorant of it. What about a total eclipse? One evening, he pulls the trigger or jumps. Of an apartment building manager who had killed himself, I was told that he had lost his daughter five years before, that he had changed greatly since, and that the experience had, quote, undermined him. A more exact word cannot be imagined. Beginning to think is beginning to be undermined. Society has but little connection with such beginnings. The worm is in the man's heart. That, uh, that That's called is, heartworm. That is where it must be sought. One must follow and understand this fatal game that leads from lucidity and the face of existence to flight from light. There are many causes for a suicide, and generally the most obvious ones were not the most powerful. Rarely is suicide committed, yet the hypothesis is not excluded, through reflection. What sets off this crisis is almost always unverifiable. Newspapers often speak of personal sorrows or incurable illness. These explanations are plausible. But one would, have to, one would have to know whether a friend of a desperate man had not that very day addressed him indifferently. He is the guilty one, for that is enough to, pre- pre- uh, to precipitate all the rancors and all the boredom still in suspension. But if it is hard to fix the precise instant, the subtle step when the mind opted for death, it is easier to deduce from the act itself the consequences it implies. In a sense, and, as in melodrama, killing yourself amounts to confessing. It is confessing that life is too much for you, or that you do not understand it. Let's not go too far into such analogies, however, but rather return to everyday words. It is merely confessing that, uh, that, sorry, it is merely confessing that that it is, sorry, sorry, that that, that, that it, it, it is, is. is not worth the trouble. Living, naturally, is never easy. You continue making the gestures commanded by existence for many reasons, the first of which is habit. Dying voluntarily implies that you have recognized, even instinctively, the ridiculous character of that habit, the absence of any profound reason for living, the insane character of that daily agitation, and the uselessness of suffering. What, then, is that incalculable feeling that deprives the mind of sleep necessary to life? 
a world that can be explained even with bad reasons as a familiar world. But, on the other hand, in a universe suddenly divested of illusions and lights, man feels an alien, a stranger. His exile is... When was this dude? Uh, 60s? He doesn't yeah. really seem to understand... Uh, 40s the, to 60s. 1955. Yeah. 1955. Right on. Suicide bombers? Yeah. Uh, he goes into that. Okay. I mean, like, uh, basically... A, a, he literally already said, right? What, what is called a reason for living is also an excellent reason for dying. Mm-hmm. Sure, in your vague, Joycean way, you um, can no, get there. I, he but. says, okay, I see many people die because they judge life is not worthy. I see others paradoxically getting killed for ideas or illusions that give them a reason for living. That, Suicide me, is martyrdom. Um, I, I didn't read that into that sentence. Is reason but. for living martyrdom? Like dying. If for you're a talking reason. about suicide bombers, then we're talking about martyrdom. They're 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 dying for a reason that. But they he's saying see. why are you bring up suicide bombers. What he's bringing up suicide bombers. I did. Oh, I thought you said that wasn't the case. I'm sorry. No, I, he he's, no. he's saying that this guy didn't take into account suicide bombers, like which essentially is martyrdom. Oh, then I agree with Sean Fox. Woohoo! You say he's not accounting for martyrdom. I I don't necessarily believe those sentences. Yeah. I think it's, talking about the, it's kind of vague. Well, which is okay. That's perfectly fine. But th- I, I don't think he. I don't. Uh, so it might be brought up in here because then we just talk about the absurdity. I don't think that. I don't think that a a suicide bomber or a martyr would would say that life is absurd. That's what I'm saying. Right. So that's not what he's saying at all. So it, it's not that he's not accounting for it. It's just that it's not part of the argument. Continue. Okay. That's kind of the whole point that he's he's making here. It's a question of the the person who commits suicide is doing so because they recognize life is absurd. Right. That yeah. And that I don't think that the suicide bomber is committing suicide because they think life is absurd. They're also not they think really it's very very serious. And they cor- think that they're correct, going to be but they're not but that's not so what what I'm saying is that there, there are a few different ways to look you're, at suicide. There's the yeah. idea of, you know, you're so far, it just seems to be harping on the idea of uh, your life sucks and you're going to get out of it. Whereas some people would see it as a, a justifiable or a, uh, a just thing. Right. I think so. The, the, the jumping off point here is the, the idea of normal, the kind of colloquial, not colloquial, but the normal reason for suicide, which is kind of you know the profound sadness or whatever it is right yeah. how do we explain how do we explain away the absurdity of life that's really the heart of the question here and and by saying that like martyrs yes they are in a sense committing suicide but not because their life is absurd the heart of the question here is the absurdity of life not why did they commit suicide does that make sense what you we can said agree makes that- sense i don't i did not gather that from what you've read so far we're we're like four pages in. It's a we're lot. three pages in. It's a lot of words, right? But he hasn't even made like he's talking about suicide and suicide being sort of meaningless, mm-hmm. or, or are people killing themselves because they they deem life as meaningless? Right, and I was I was just right, indicating cha- that that's right, not which everything. Which is fine. Which is yeah. Which is fine. It was a throwaway comment. Sorry, you're God. right. God, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be. It's like and by the it's way, like pushing let, a rock up a mountain in indeed. Hades with you guys. Literally, Hello. literary is number four on the network, only beating Wild Wild West World because there hasn't been an episode in six months. Aww. 
You just upset O'Brien. I'm sorry, my little snowflake. <laughs> His little heart just cracked. Well, tell your friends. Doesn't matter. There's no fight. There's no one coming to the door. I'll read this whole goddamn fucking book. Mm-hmm. I do have to cut go home. your goddamn mic. I do have to go home though. <laughs> um. Ironically, so explain to me why he, he loves just shut bombers? the fuck up. The next like sentence was that was exactly what they're explaining. The if I would have shut the fuck up. Yeah, have you not listened to the show? That happens almost every fucking time I open my mouth. A world that can be explained even with bad reasons is a familiar world. I read that before. Jeez. But on the other hand, in a universe suddenly divested of illusions and lights, man feels an alien, a stranger. His exile is without remedy since he is deprived of the memory of a lost home or the hope of a promised land. This divorce between man and his life, the actor in his setting, is properly the feeling of absurdity. All healthy men... Having thought of their own suicide, it can be seen without further explanation that there is a direct connection between this feeling and the longing for death. The subject of this essay is precisely this relationship between the absurd and suicide, the exact degree to which suicide is the solution to the absurd. The principle can be established that for a man who does not cheat, what he believes to be true must determine his action. Belief in the absurdity of existence must then dictate his conduct. It is legitimate to wonder, clearly and without false pathos, whether a conclusion of this importance requires forsaking as rapidly as possible an incomprehensible condition. I am speaking, of course, of men men inclined to be in harmony with themselves. Stated clearly, this problem may seem both simple and, and insoluble. But it is wrongly assumed that simple questions involve answers that are no less simple and that evidence implies evidence. A priori, and reversing the terms of the problem, just as one does or does not kill oneself, it seems that there are but two philosophical solutions, either yes or no. This would be too easy, but allowance must be made for those who, without concluding, continue questioning. Here, I am only slightly indulging in irony. This is the majority, I notice, that those who answer no act as if they thought yes and As a matter of fact, if I accept the Nietzschean criterion, they think yes in one way or another. On the other hand, it often happens that those who commit suicide were assured of the meaning of life. These contradictions are constant. It may even be said that they have never been so keen as on the point where, on the contrary, logic seems so desirable. It is a commonplace to compare philosophical theories and the behavior of those who profess them. But it must be said that of the thinkers who refused a meaning of life, none except uh, Kirillov who belongs to literature, uh, Peregrinos, who was born of legend. Uh, there's a little subnote. Uh, I have heard of an emulator of Peregrinos, a post-war writer who, av- who, after having finished his first book, committed suicide to attract attention to his work. Attention was, in fact, attracted, but the book was judged no good. <laughs> that sounds like a Doug Adams thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And June... And, uh, and Jules The absolute Lequier. worst poetry in the world was written by, what the fuck was her name? Jane Whitnall, whatever. Good on? No. <laughs> that was the monkey lady. Belongs to, uh, sorry. Uh, and Jules Lequier, who belongs to Hypothesis, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, ah. admitted his logic to the point of refusing that life. Schopenhauer often cited as a fit subject for laughter because he praised suicide whilst seated at a well-set table. This is no subject for joking. That... All subjects are for joking. Yeah, that, let that us way, try. That way of that's he's saying it jokingly. Well, <laughs> that said, way of I not said, taking, let us try because I'm better at it. It doesn't sorry. come across in text. That way, that way of not taking the tragic. That that way of you not try taking, using more emojis. Would you shut the fuck up? That way of not wouldn't taking, be a good podcast. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast. <laughs> I know. Can't that way better. of not Can't taking the tragedy better. seriously is not so grievous. 
but it helps to judge a man. Let me see where else we got here. Oh my God. Hey, O'Brien, do you agree that life is absurd? Of course. Do you think it's the uh, existential question? I think it's, I think the answer is of course. I don't think it is. You think it's of course. That life is absurd? Absolutely. There is no meaning of life. Dr. Strange. If that's the truth, would Camus say that suicide is a rational option because life is absurd? Do you want to just read the end of the book? To well, tell no, the I'm saying we don't have, I'm saying <laughs> we don't have the answer to I'm that saying question. We don't have time. I'm saying, tell me. Oh, no, I'll just skip to the end. Okay. I'll just skip to the end and we'll close it out. And I'll, I'll answer you. Alert. I'll answer you with that. Fair enough. With the, You're like halfway through. This. You the, started at the end. And just I wanted your opinion, going. OB. I didn't want to know Camus. I want to know if you agree with him. You said, do I think Camus would say that life is. Okay. Yeah. Like that's yeah, I guess. almost exactly yeah. what you asked me. But I do want to hear what you I, 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 I agree with him, and he says it much better than I could. Jesus. Okay. I don't know how Everyone long should this whole die. thing is going to be, but. I understand your opinion there. Yeah. It's pretty much my, my consistent stance. So <laughs> the last section of the book, the whole, the, 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 rent is the majority of this book talks about the absurd, and then it talks about kind of man as a, man creation, et cetera. It talks the philosophical suicide versus kind of practical. It's, there's a whole bunch of reasons. We've all seen the matrix. Absurd creation, yeah. finally, but but the whole thing ends. It's really kind of short. It's only like a hundred some odd pages. Um, but it ends with uh, the chapter titled The Myth of Sisyphus. You mean like the book is titled? No, literally the chapter, the the final conclusion of this essay is titled mm-hmm. The Myth of Sisyphus. It's three right. parts. So he doesn't get to the t- book until... There should be a little multiplier on the beginning of each book or in the beginning of every book on the cover page or something for how boring it is because then you can multiply how many pages it is to how many actual pages it feels like. Mm. That's good. Like this is a times four multiplier. Were you just bored? Is that like a Proopsian meter? Actually, no. I I didn't think so. I actually kind of liked it. It was a good throwaway. I I was just trying to be a douche. (laughs) Yeah, that's all. You cannot compete. The myth of Sisyphus. (laughs) True. I'll put it this way: the guy, this guy, answers the meaning of life in a hundred fucking pages. That's pretty. That's not bad. It's taken mankind most most. Einstein did it in three letters. He did. He had an equals in there. <laughs> oh, three letters in a and a, and a squared. Come on, and an exponent. By give, the way, that's not give the, him the exponent. I, 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 <laughs> that's good though. You son of a bitch. It's not bad. Give him the exponent. <laughs> the gods had condemned Sisyphus to ceaselessly rolling a rock to the top of a mountain, whence the stone would fall back of its own weight. They had thought, with some reason, that there is no more dreadful punishment than futile and hopeless labor. If one believes Homer, Sisyphus was the wisest and most prudent of mortals. According to another tradition, however, he was disposed to practice the profession of 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 highwayman. I see no contradiction in this. Opinions differ as to the reasons why he became the futile laborer of the underworld. Highwayman means con man, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. To begin with... He is accused of certain levity in regards to the gods. He stole their secrets. Aegina, the daughter of Esophus, was carried off by Jupiter. The father was shocked by the disappearance and complained to Sisyphus. He, who knew of the abduction, offered to tell about it on, conclu- on condition that Esophus would, uh, yeah, sorry, Esophus would give water Jesus, to the citadel of Corinth. That's why I hate these goddamn stories. All their names are the fucking same. To the celestial yeah. thunderbolts and preferred the benediction of water. He was punished for this in the underworld. Homer tells us also that Sisyphus had put death in chains. Pluto could not endure the sight of his deserted, silent empire. He dispatched the god of war who liberated death from the hands of her conqueror. 
It is also said that Sisyphus, being death near is a to woman. Death, I knew it. <laughs> being near to death, uh, rashly wanted to test his wife's love. He ordered her to cast his unburied body into the middle of the public square. Sisyphus woke up in the underworld, and there, annoyed by an obedience so contrary to human love, he obtained from Pluto permission to return to Earth in order to chastise his wife. But when he had seen again the face of this world, enjoyed water and sun, warm stones in the sea, he no longer wanted to go back to the infernal darkness. Recalls signs of anger. Warnings were no avail. Many years more he lived facing the curve of the gulf, the sparkling sea and the smile of, smiles of Earth. A decree of the gods was necessary. Mercury came and seized the, impu the impudent man and... Uh, by the collar and snatching him from his joys, led him forcibly back to the underworld, where his rock was ready for him. You have already grasped that Sisyphus is the absurd hero. He is, as much through his passions as through his torture. His scorn of the gods, his hatred of death, and his passion for life won him that unspeakable penalty in which the whole being is exerted toward accomplishing nothing. This is the price that must be paid for the passions of this earth. Nothing is told us about Sisyphus in the underworld. Myths are made for the imagination to breathe life into them. As for this myth, one sees merely the whole effort of a body straining to raise the huge stone, to roll it and push it up a slope of a hundred times over, then sees the face screwed up, the cheek tight against the stone, the shoulder bracing the clay-covered mass, the foot wedging in, the fresh start with arms outstretched, the holy human security of two earth-clotted hands. At the very end of his long effort, measured by skyless space and time without depth, the purpose is achieved. Then Sisyphus watches the stone rush down in a few moments toward that lower world whence he will have to push it up again toward the summit. He goes back down to the plane. It is during that return, that pause, that Sisyphus interests me. A face that toils so close to stones is already stone itself. I see that man going back down with a heavy yet measured step toward the torment of which he will never know the end. That hour, like the breathing space which returns as surely as his suffering, that is the hour of consciousness. At each of those moments... When he leaves the heights and gradually sinks toward the lairs of the god, he is superior to his fate. He is stronger than his rock. If this myth is tragic, that is because its hero is conscious. Where would his torture be, indeed, if that every step, the hope of succeeding upheld him? The workman of today works every day in his life at the same tasks, and this fate is no less absurd. But it is tragic only at the rare moments when it becomes conscious. Sisyphus proletarian of the gods, powerless and rebellious, knows the whole extent of his wretched condition. It is what he thinks of during this. It is what he thinks of during his descent. The lucidity that was to constitute his torture at the same time crowns his victory. There is no fate that cannot be surmounted by scorn. If the descent is thus sometimes performed in sorrow, it can also take place in joy. This is not too much. Again, I fancy Sisyphus returning toward his rock, and the sorrow was in the beginning, when the image of the earth clung, uh, cling too tightly to memory, when the call of happiness becomes too insistent. It happens that melancholy rises in man's heart. This is the rock's victory. This is the rock itself. The boundless grief is too heavy to bear. These are our nights of uh, gisthanthmy. Yeah, sorry. 
But Chrysanthemum? It's a whole thing they do earlier. But crushing truths perish from being acknowledged. Thus, Oedipus, at the outset, obeys fate without knowing it. But from the moment he knows, his tragedy begins. Yet, at the same moment, blind and desperate, he realizes that the only bond linking him to the world is the cool hand of a girl. Then a tremendous remark rings out. Despite so many ordeals, my advanced age and the nobility of my soul make me conclude that all is well. Sophocles' Oedipus, like Dostoevsky's Kirillov, thus gives the recipe for the absurd victory. Ancient wisdom confirms modern heroism. One does not discover the absurd without being tempted to write a manual of happiness. What? By such narrow ways. There is but one world, however. Happiness and the absurd one. And happiness and the absurd are two sons of the same earth. They are inseparable. It would be a mistake to say that happiness necessarily springs from the absurd discovery. It happens as well that the feeling of the absurd springs from happiness. I conclude that all is well, says Oedipus, and that remark is sacred. It echoes in the wild and limited universe of man. It teaches that all is not, has not been, exhausted. It drives out this It drives out of this world a god who had come into it with dissatisfaction and a preference for futile sufferings. It makes a fate of human matter which must be settled among men. All Sisyphus' silent joy is contained therein. His face belongs to them. His rock is his thing. Likewise, the absurd man, when he contemplates his torment, silences all the idols. In the universe, suddenly restored to silence, the myriad wondering little voices of earth rise up. Unconscious secret calls, invitations from all the faces, they are the necessary reverse and price of victory. There is no sun without shadow, and it is essentially to know the night. The absurd man says yes, and his effort will henceforth be unceasing. If there is a personal fate, there is no higher density. Destiny. Sorry. Or at least, density is probably to you. Or at least... There is but one which he concludes is inevitable and despicable. For the rest, he knows himself to be the master of his days. At that subtle moment, when man glances backwards over his life, Sisyphus returning toward his rock, in that slight pivoting, he contemplates that series of unrelated actions which becomes his fate, created by him, combined under his memory's eye and soon sealed by his death. Thus, Convinced of the wholly human origin of all that is human, a blind man, eager to see who knows that the night has no end, he is still on the go. The rock is still rolling. I leave Sisyphus at the foot of the mountain. One always finds one's burden again, but Sisyphus teaches the higher fidelity that negates the gods and raises rock. He too concludes that all is well. This universe henceforth without a master seems to him neither sterile nor futile. Each atom of that stone, each mineral flake of that night-filled mountain is, in, is itself forms of a world. The struggle itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. One must imagine Sisyphus happy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. So do you guys think The Rock would make a good president? Yeah, why not? No. (laughs) I do not think The Rock would make a good president. Mm -hmm. I do not know any of his policies as it stands. I have no idea what he wants. That's the best part. That's terrible. (laughs) We knew that going into this. I'll vote for him. 
Anyway, does that answer your question, Joey? Yeah. Winter is coming. Many mickles make a muckle. No, but I think it's a good answer. I think it's the right answer. I, I, I do. I, I, life is I, meaningless. And so it, if life is meaningless, then why, do, why ought one continue to live? And I, for the most part, I don't have an answer to that other than the fact that it, it, it is in that quiet moment. That you kind of accept the fact that whatever, it's every little challenge, every little thing, right? Every single day is a whole fucking rock up to the top and then there's that quiet moment. So you just, you live for those ebbs and flows. And that that is in in fact a, a meaning of life, if you will. It's, there is no meaning of life, but that doesn't mean that life doesn't matter. What are your quiet moments? My quiet moments? I have them every day. Every time you're talking. Do they include James Joyce? Oh, very much so. <laughs> very, very much so. I try to make my life as much like as 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 much of just the walk of Sisyphus from the top of the mountain down to the rock as possible. I almost I try to I avoid the rock at all costs. <laughs> and so <laughs> much See, I, to- I disagree with that. I mean you'd have your own way. I'd like to tangle with the rock. I like to you like rock to smell and roll. what the rock is cooking? <laughs> that's you can you can find meaning in the drudgery of just pushing the rock up the mountain as I well. I feel like that's want. the only time I get some meaning. That's fine too. But many people would say the same thing. Also a good movie. But I don't know, man. <laughs> we can release this as a pot tinkering Wait, why'd you say if you that? want yeah. to. <laughs> Just do that. When the politicians I, sure, I can. Well, no, I mean, you can. You have that power. You it's in the politicking constitution. Drinking, spend some time collectively. You sir have no constitution. We don't have a constitution. We don't. Because the truth is, I don't know, man. Because you guys are afraid I'll become a dictator. I don't oh. know, man. You're just a dick, yeah. potato. <laughs> yeah. Afraid means that we're afraid you'll become a dictator. Like, you aren't already a dictator? We live under your boot. As it should be. What does Mrs. Potato Head call Mr. Potato Head's thing? Thank you, sir. May I have another? A tater to tot. Potato. I, I can't beat that. Potato. That he, definitely didn't. Yeah, he wouldn't. Uh, yeah. No. Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, you didn't like my last joke? Okay, fine. Because <laughs> it wasn't good.